Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Let's go with another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful for all of you to join us. You may remember a few weeks ago, I actually got the feature, one of the uh, reporters that speaks, that really gets to report quite extensively on the cannabis industry, Jeremy Burke, here on the program. Well, I have one of his cohorts joining me here on the program. Uh, she is the senior healthcare reporter for Insiders, DC Bureau, remember? was known as Business Insider, but now it's Insider.com, focused on policy and politics. And she's joining us today here on the program to talk about her recent reporting surrounding legalization and what our elected officials are doing to decriminalize cannabis. When I saw this, I was like, well, I've talked to our friends at the NCIA who host the program here on the network, and I've also tried to get some word about who could also speak to us about what, now that the cannabis legalization issue has come up front once again, Safe Banking Act is now up front, we're hearing the rumblings, and what are the people in the Senate doing? Because obviously House has gone forward with several different symbolic gestures, I want to say, about what's going on. But how close are we getting now? Where are the politicians at when it comes to pulling the lever towards cannabis legalization? And the ongoing issue I've had for the last month and a half about the lack of lobbying in terms of the amount of capital being added into the lobbying effort. Because we all know in this program, you know how I feel, politicians, they understand money, and I don't know how much else. I'm very cynical about that, but either which way. My guest is Kimberly Leonard, Senior Health Care Policy Reporter at Insider. Kimberly, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. It, really appreciate it. There's such important information we need to give to our listeners today on the program. So, so like I said, we're going to go ahead and talk about a story that you and Jeremy wrote regarding the feedback you got from a number of Senate Democrats and, and congressional leaders on Capitol Hill about what's being said. But let's go ahead and get the context out as to where we are so far. February 1st, a group of Senate Democrats said they are committed to quote-unquote comprehensive cannabis reform and call for the end of the federal prohibition of marijuana. And the ones that spoke out were Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, Senator Cory Booker, Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon. Now, they all said in a joint statement that the Senate would be, quote, making cannabis reform a priority. You and Jeremy uh, 
recently reported that Democratic leaders want to federally legalize cannabis, but six Democratic senators on Capitol Hill told Insider they had reservations about doing so. What can you tell me about the hesitation and the pressure that is leading to these reservations that you got to learn about? No, exactly. And it was very interesting because I think that um, a lot of people assume that there is sort of a unified um, stance on cannabis legalization among Democrats. And if we were only to get rid of the filibuster, that it could become a reality. Um, but the picture that I discovered is far more complicated. Um, you have members who come from states, by the way, where it is legal, um, who say that they're personally against it. You have uh, Senator John Tester, who's a Democrat from Montana and um, a more centrist Democrat. Um, and he said, you know, we should have a conversation about it, but I'm personally not for it being legalized. I talked to Senator Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire. She told me she was concerned about the effect that legalization might have in her state because of the opioid crisis. And she sort of said that she was concerned that um, it could be somewhat of a, a gateway drug. Those weren't her exact words, but she said it could be you know, seen as an entry level drug for some people. Um, and then I spoke to others who just said, well, I need to do a, a bit more research. Um, you know, Senator Joe Manchin is another one who's often in the headlines. He's from West right. Virginia, more conservative. And he said, well, I'm all for medical marijuana. I just am not there yet when it comes to, uh, you know, recreational use. And so there was just a diversity of perspectives uh, that really underscored to me that uh, they have some work to do to be able to get their colleague, their caucus on board. Um, you know, if they can't win over Republicans, which is a good chance that they can't, then they really need to be able to be unified on um, this messaging around cannabis reform. And even though we saw that happen in the House last year, um, the Senate still has a good ways to go. Kimberly, I don't, and this is just not point, I just want to make this point to the audience. So I think one of our programs, we talked about the fact that uh, on our High Society with Paxton Quigley program, Paxton actually mentioned the fact that I think there's been 907 pieces of legislation related to cannabis or marijuana policy that have been per, that have presented. We have obviously I've talked about on the program the States Act, which is what I really supported quite a bit. Uh, that Senator Elizabeth Warren, Cory Gardner, who was previously serving state of Colorado, they put that together bipartisan legislation. You have the Moore Act. You have uh, proposals that were made by Cory Booker. That I believe Kamal Harris also put out a proposal as well. It's not as if this, pro this, this has not been in, in front and center of people knowing about this. And I know there is a cross on the Democratic side where, you know, they need social justice, social equity, and people have to have second chances as part of it. In the New York legalization right now, uh, we had somebody on from Consensus Strategies, their uh, polling firm. They talked about how there's a lot of cynicism with the politicians to try to get it passed. Then the opposition there is about having you know, certain businesses being in their backyard or having people be able to grow in their own homes, all these issues going on. But going back to the politicians, the policymakers, having all these things where, okay, Senator Shaheen's talking about her opioid crisis as justified, but again, we've there's been a lot of issues being handled about opioids in the first place. You know, there's that part. And then this back and forth between decriminalization and I guessing, you know, if it's where uh, the amount of tax revenue that they can receive that can be brought into the federal government to the coffers, you know, is the, are those the three things? And honestly, are we just really hearing excuses? And the truth is, 
they're just going to keep doing this until money comes up front by the industry or by someone that really persuades them to go further. Right. Well, I think there are a couple of different tensions that are happening. The first is, you know, how will they decide to go with a basic reform, like let's say the Safe Banking Act, which would allow businesses um, to, you know, have access to banking services and actually let you use your credit or debit card when you enter some of these cannabis shops. Will they go for something like that that has support from a lot of Republicans? Or will they go for something much more sweeping, which is what Leader Schumer um, has in mind. He doesn't just want, you know, decriminalization. He also wants to add taxes to cannabis products. He also wants to regulate them in, the, in similar ways that we regulate tobacco. Um, and he wants the criminal justice piece of that. And so when you look at what the leaders on this want to do versus what, you know, others are willing to do, it's just like any other issue, you know, do you pick up a small piece and go with that? Or do you need an overhaul and that's where the tension is i mean if you want to make a compromise okay the schedule and then offer interstate commerce among the states that are legalizing themselves and let them do what they want to do i mean just if we're not even going to come to a compromise on this it's just stalling to me and that's what i just don't understand let me also take a quote from what you put in the story quote a democratic congress represents the best chance for federal cannabis legalization. But the industry and advocates have lots of work to do to win over all Senate Democrats. Amazing. And that's that's exactly the crux of what you're talking about here. So in December, we know the Moore Act was passed in the House. I felt it was nothing more than symbolic, lame duck session, and you know they're feeling that the Senate will not pass that particular bill, the Safe Banking Act. That was passed in the House. That was what it went through the the sub uh, subcommittee on finance back in early 2019. Then passed in the House in 2019, sitting on uh, to get passed going forward for two years. So again, Senate Democrats, you know, the pressure's on them. They're leaning on the bills in front of them. You know what? What is it that could get passed, or do they want just to scratch and take parts of what they got? and do something else? Is it something where we're going to get some kind of a, some reconciliation? Something that would just say, okay, we need to put all these parts of the bill, have to write it back up again. Well, if, if they want to actually get something done, they're going to have to do something small, you know, if they want to get it past uh, 60 senators. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not, in, in, in Congress, it's not always about getting something done. It's about winning a political battle. You know, let's not forget we have the midterms coming up. Um, cannabis decriminalization is very popular with voters. Um, and so, you know, are people really willing to compromise if they can show that they really push to go much further? Um, you know, that's really what the question is. And it, it isn't always about, you know, how do you log a win, you know, policy wise, but how do you do it politically? I mean, is there anything they could do? This? I, don't, I don't know how this will work. I'm going to just try this. But when... Uh, President Obama went ahead and, you know, offered, made the point that gay marriage was legal in all states. Can they just do the same thing? And those states can just choose if they want to go ahead and recognize it as such. And so that the states of the 40 plus that have already been legalized, they can go ahead and move along with what they're doing. And the other 10 states can just, you know, they could choose to opt out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that some Democrats were sort of telling me that they sort of thought that that was already happening and that, you know, the federal government didn't necessarily need to interfere. And that's certainly what a lot of Republicans were saying. Um, you know, I caught up with Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, too, um, yeah. who has more of a libertarian streak. And he was telling me, look, I'm one of the possible gets on this. So I don't know why Democrats aren't talking to me. He said, I'm all for decriminalization. Let's do that. He said what he's not for is all the other pieces that Democrats want to add to the bill. He doesn't want extra taxes layered on top of this. He doesn't want extra regulations. And so that's where you lose a person potentially um, who would be on your side that comes from, you know, a completely different political party. And the thing is, he's a licensed doctor. I mean, he would probably be able to read the research, understand it as much as anybody else on Capitol Hill. And I don't see where, where again, there are some uh, politicians that I believe that, that would absolutely go ahead and come to the table bipartisan on this. This is not I, I just can't believe the contention for it. But I think the reason why, Kimberly, and after the break, this I've been asking to talk about. And I'm so glad you're here to let me go ahead and talk about this. It's the lobbying front. This I said over a month ago. I talked to Travis uh, Stefan from Growflow, and I remember originally talking to him, and I'm saying, isn't it really just come to we just the, the industry needs to come to grips, I said on that program. The money that's being put into lobbying is not enough. I hate to say it. I mean, it's all well, good attention by some of the lobbying uh, efforts that are being put out. And in the last two months, we absolutely now have a real step up in the lobbying effort. And I want to ask you all about that because, unfortunately, the politicians, like I said off the top, if we put more money in their coffers to influence, much like oil and gas, much like tobacco, much like alcohol, and the interesting part is tobacco and alcohol want to join forces and ally with cannabis to make this happen. We're going to talk all about that after a short break. Again, I'm with the senior health calls, senior healthcare policy reporter insider Kimberly Leonard here on Blunt Business. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Glad to have back on Kimberly Leonard, Senior Healthcare Policy Reporter Insider. So, I've actually passed this along to you before we got on Bloomberg.com. And I have, I'm telling you folks look for this story from Bloomberg and follow it as gospel because they are talking what was being said with lobbying cloud. Big pot is here. It was part of the cannabis weekly column. Now in this story, a very significant piece of data last year, 2020, just $4 million was spent on cannabis lobbying. According to open secrets, that's measly compared to the $27 million that was spent by tobacco lobbyists and roughly $30 million from the beer, wine, and liquor industry. So off the bat, Kimberly, at this point, do you feel like the overwhelming majority of lawmakers need to see more lobbying money to come in in order for legalization to get pushed across the finish line? 
Well, typically, uh, when there are major causes that end up passing, um, yes, it is tied to how much money organizations spend lobbying these causes. You mentioned tobacco. Um, as a healthcare reporter, I think a lot about how much money the pharmaceutical industry pays yeah. um, to make sure that uh, they can essentially dictate the price of prescription drugs, and that's just how it stays. Um, you know, they spend a lot of money. Um, bankrolling campaigns, lobbying these issues. And so, um, you know, definitely it is the trend that the more that you spend, the more your issue is likely to get attention and be shaped in a way that is favorable to your industry. So let's get into what is, what are the offers being made? So several new lobbying firms have recently started up. First, we have the consortium with operators like Canopy Growth and Cure Leaf, uh, which is a trade association uh, for hemp and special interest groups supporting veterans and racial minorities and law firms hush blackwell or hush blackwell and vincent setterberg are founding members along with pax labs the company that separated from jewel labs the vape uh, the manufacturers and now specializes in cannabis vaporizers now that's one of them and now the newest one that's come into play is a new cannabis coalition made up of a wide variety of national corporations, including tobacco and alcohol firms. We know Constellation Brands is part of this. Oh, actually, I'll mention who they are in a second. Uh, purpose of influencing policy and potentially shaping the first federal cannabis regulations. So on our High Society with Paxton Quigley series, we actually featured Andrew Friedman, the executive director, who also was Colorado's first, or actually was his former cannabis czar in that state. So please look for that interview. You can look for that. And also we're going to get Andrew on the Blunt Business to talk more about what they're doing with the lobbying firm. The interview with Pax was more of a get-to-know, understanding of facts, a little bit of feeling. I want to do some more fact-finding with Andrew, so look for him. We're working on trying to get him on the program. So now the coalition here, C-Pair is what they're best known as, includes tobacco giant Altria, Beer Behemoth's Constellation Brands, which produce Corona and Modelo beers, and Molson Coors Beverage Company, plus two national convenience store associations, the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers, and the Brinks Company. So these are two new lobbying uh, outfits. Obviously, CPAIR was only about two weeks old as we record, and only about two months ago did the other coalition come into play. What do the policymakers know about these, and what have you learned about them and their and infiltration into Capitol Hill to push forward. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised that it took this long for the coalition to come together, but I suppose, um, you know, they're looking at uh, the fact that Democrats have full control of Washington and, and uh, thinking that this is their opportunity to come in. Um, look, I can say that these industries have been very successful at uh, lobbying in the past. If you look at, um, you know, we talked about regulations on, on cannabis, um, but if you look at the alcohol industry, it's been very successful at lobbying toward um, looser restrictions on alcohol um, on a state-by-state -state level. And um, they want a part of this cannabis business. Um, you know, it would be something that they'd want to participate in, something that would be popular with a lot of consumers. Mm -hmm. um, so they're getting involved. And, um, you know, I think that as far as, as tobacco as well, when I look at their lobbying success on, not just on Capitol Hill, but within government agencies, They've been very strong on pushing for, believe it or not, pushing for um, stricter regulations on vaping products because they know that they can meet those regulations. Um, and so they'll push for them to be more rigid um, because they wanna enter that market too. 
And so this is another opportunity that they see to be able to expand their businesses. Now, having said that, we do have that trio of senators, you know, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Cory Booker, Ron Wyden, who've said that this is the kind of thing they want to avoid. They want to make sure that big corporations don't come in and take over the industry just because the product is decriminalized or legalized in many more states. They want to make sure that smaller businesses have a chance. Um, and it'll be a hard fight. Um, it's that there's going to be a lot of, you know, one of the ways that they prevent that uh, lobbyists work to prevent uh, policies from not taking shape the way that they would want them to is to really work to divide up members of Congress. And so we're already seeing that, that you have people that are pulled in a lot of different directions. And the more you can keep things divided until you get them all behind something that, you know, your industry favors, um, then the easier it is to, um, you know, get that outcome that they're looking for. So back in February, when I talked to Jeremy Burke, one of your cohorts over a senior reporter insider, uh, he had, I talked to him about when he spoke in a report to 17 top cannabis investors laying out how the spread of legal marijuana would fuel a deal boom. So obviously the money being injected into investment, that same, those, same cor those same VCs could also be injecting money into the lobby itself. And I wanted to ask real quickly, if you had a chance, if you or Jeremy have had a chance to delve into these coalitions and talk to them uh, at all personally, or if there's any information you could tell us that you've learned about besides what we've talked about here, that might, that would be something you would need to be following up, that you want to follow up on. Is that something that Insider wants to follow up on? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, we're, you know, our publication is very um, focused on, you know, what businesses are doing and what, how they're trying to influence uh, what's happening in Washington. And so I haven't had the chance to speak to the coalition at this point, but I've done a lot of reporting on, you know, tobacco, and I've done a lot of reporting on alcohol. And, um, you know, I can tell you that uh, they've, they've been a powerful force um, in Washington for a long time. And so, um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, not just what takes shape, but what the different arguments become against the eventual package, you know, that does get presented. So um, Senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and his colleagues are planning, they said to release a plan before, uh, they, they said at the start of this year, they'd release a plan. So once we see what that looks like, and then we see how their colleagues react, that will really help us to understand how they're hearing about this from lobbyists. Yeah. So among the 10 politicians that you and Jimmy spoke to, uh, without being able to, I know there's nothing that you want to be able to disclose, obviously, what they said directly to you. But if there's any consensus, uh, is there any kind of consensus you can give me as to what level of persuasion is are they responding to best? Are they still listening to the grassroots type of organizations that are large lobbying firms? Are they listening to those that might not be presenting them with capital, but they're offering, they're saying, do this for the common good. Do this for social equity. Do this for social justice. Do this for, you know, helping people get a chance in, in business uh, that needs second chances. Are they responding to the progressive end of the persuasion? Or do we need to have more of a capitalistic type of sense to be able to get them to move forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it's definitely mixed. I would say that those who are crafting the bill now, you know, the the trio with uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, 
they are listening to a lot of advocacy groups and they want to make sure, you know, Senator Booker told me, he said, look, I'm in this for the criminal justice piece of this. That's why I'm involved. That was his, you know, big argument for, um, you know, decriminalization and why we needed a sweeping bill and so forth. Um, so they are listening to a lot of grassroots organizations. They had a meeting, uh, I think, last month um, where they spoke to organizations about this. And, you know, that's why some of these bills have been so sweeping because they don't just want to, um, you know, do one thing. They want to make sure that all of the injustice um, that has happened has been fixed and that something's been done. Um, so that's why they're looking at so many different parts of this. But I think for other members, it will be more of that corporate push. Um, and again, you have an election next year. And Politicians want to stay in office. That's why they're politicians. And so if they don't think that a particular issue, even if it's popular with voters, if they think that a powerful entity will, you know, fight against their um, bid for office, then that's where, you know, you see a lot of them fall. It doesn't make any, it just really feels, not to mention, I mean, the pushback of, the, the fact that, listen, I can appreciate where Cory Booker's coming from because he put a bill forward for for to be reviewed. So did Kamala Harris. And, I mean, do you know if the vice president has been in communication with the Senate Democrats in the same respect? Because she also put out a comprehensive bill to end prohibition in 2019. And she adopts the position. She hasn't changed on that as far as I know. But she wants to federally schedule. Uh, are we getting anywhere where the positioning besides the three leaders that have already spoken are we getting anything from those that have a more public eye like a cory booker or kamala harris that could possibly persuade a lot more and obviously remember i mean you know you're gonna have it would almost make sense you know wash my hand you know scratch my back scratch yours if kamala harris wants to go ahead and you know campaign for one of these senators after the cannabis bills passed then why shouldn't it be beneficial for them to go ahead and pass along a bill that would be beneficial like that, like decriminalization. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think what is kind of one of the things that they're trying to say at this point is, look, we have our order of things that what we want to prioritize now that, you know, President Biden is in office. So they focused on the stimulus, which mm -hmm. notably left out the Safe Banking Act, um, which I was surprised by, and there oh. wasn't really a push to include it, even though two stimulus bills that Democrats in the House passed last year had them. Um, I don't know if it would have followed the strict rules of reconciliation, but you right. know, you don't know until you try. Um, so that wasn't in there. Um, so not only did we not see that push, but we also saw the White House last week, there was a report in the Daily Beast that employees at the White House were pushed out and sidelined because they admitted to past recreational use of cannabis. Yeah. And so it really clashes with the image of, you know, trying to say that you want this to be something that will be a priority, as Chuck Schumer has said, you know, I haven't gotten a sense that it is a priority for the White House, at least not at this point. Now, if you were able to get a gauge from who you spoke with, you know, the, the usual efforts are always, how many votes do they have? That would absolutely, if the bill was presented today, they would say yes. I mean, how far away are they from having the votes? Well, if they were going to try to, let's say they were to get rid of the filibuster, you know, which is right. the 60 vote threshold needed. Mm -hmm. um, so they would need 50 plus, um, you know, Vice President Harris to support the legislation, right. which 
I, you know, it does seem as though she would. I don't, I haven't seen, and, and I, I found six Democrats that were on the fence. I didn't interview all of them. You know, once right, you get right. certain, so once you get to a certain number, you say, okay, you do the math and it's not there. Um, so no, I don't think that they have the votes if they were to present what they're describing, which is a broad-based decriminalization, taxes, um, you know, social justice piece, um, if they were to have all that. There are, there are definitely senators that might agree with one or two aspects of the bill. Um, so no, I don't think that they have the votes at this yeah. point. Um, and the thing is that they would... Yeah, and a lot of people are surprised to hear that. But yeah. after the conversations that I had, it, I don't see the votes there now. And the and there's not and, and you would think there would be a couple of Republicans that would go ahead and sway away from the normal, you know, religious right kind of argument that would go ahead and jump on and support bipartisan like to fill in those spots. Right. Well, the only um, this is not a pun, I promise, but the only senator right. who told me that he was um, open-minded about it was Senator Roy Blunt. Um, and he is yeah. a Missouri Republican. And, um, you know, he's someone who's always supported, you know, medical research and things like that. So he kind of sees it as all, you know, interlinked, I think, in, from that perspective. And he said, I, I'll I'll take a look. I'm, I'm open to, um, you know, discussing it. So he was the only one who said that of the Republicans that I spoke with. Um, and then, you know, at Senator Paul that we mentioned earlier in this yes. interview, he doesn't want the taxes. He doesn't want the regulations. He's out if it has all that. So that's where the tension is. Yeah, that's true. I want to go ahead and come back. I got one more major question because, you know, I really appreciate that we got some word about this because, and this has to be called out because of the fact that lobbying efforts are green. Listen, well-intended, great, understood, but I think that last one, the C-Pair or Coalition, it's going to raise some eyebrows. And somebody wrote about this, about the fact that, you know, getting into bed with big alcohol and big tobacco, you know, is the cannabis industry being brought on to cross the finish line, but at what benefit and at what cost? I want to ask about that. Uh, a b opinion piece that came out, I want to get your take on it coming up. I'm here with a senior health care senior healthcare policy reporter at Insider. That's a large title, but it's a good title. Kimberly Leonard here on Blunt Business. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm back with final questions with Kimberly Leonard with Insider.com. She's the senior health care policy reporter. Fresh Toast, the Fresh Toast, they recently wrote the story, and this is from uh, Mike Adams, 
Read this story. It's very important. It's the title, Is It Bad for Big Alcohol and Big Tobacco to Help Shape Marijuana Legalization? And this is an important question to ask, regardless of what people think. I think this is a very important question. The entire industry needs to be focused on and paying close attention to. So here's what he wrote, quote, Marijuana advocates have done their best to keep the industry as pure and untainted by corporate crooks as possible. But like it or not, big to alcohol and big tobacco have infiltrated the scene and are working with federal lawmakers to help shape policy geared toward nationwide marijuana legalization. Recently, several heavy hitters from the alcohol and tobacco trade recently launched a federal lobby group to press the flesh of pot-friendly politicians on Capitol Hill and get marijuana laws passed in their favor. In their favor, in other words, marijuana has been hijacked. End quote. So, do you feel like the lobbying efforts could compri- could comprise compromise? Excuse me, the soul and intent of the cannabis industry. Well, I think that if they join in, it it is a powerful force um, that could probably hasten this effort no doubt about it right 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 i mean that has to be acknowledged however you know if if the goal at the end of the day is to make sure that small businesses that have been operating in states are able to keep operating or you know to make sure that um there is also restitution for people who have um you know criminal records related to outdated laws um in their states and things like that that's where um you know, it goes against a lot of the goals that advocates say that they have, and that, uh, frankly, leaders in Congress say that they have. And so there, it's definitely a, a powerful um, tension that's going on there. I mean, I see it in a lot of other topics that I cover. Um, and, you know, these industries do tend to be successful, you know, even in, in ways that people don't always realize, you know, I talked about the tobacco example, it's been, you know, they want to shape the future of smoking, and they want to have, you know, vaping be a part of that, and they always advocate for a smokeless future and things like that. So there's, there's always a way for, um, you know, the industry to get in, in a way that regulates smaller businesses out of business. And uh, that basically ensures that they won't have any competition when, you know, this does become a product that's more widely available. Exactly. It, it's a lot to take in. And I really hope that if you t- when you talk to the editors there at your publication, you know, there's so much being done. And I really do appreciate it. Um, because, honestly, this story needs to be followed along. Now, there's one other story I didn't get a chance to talk about, which you also wrote about, is the fact of, about the Safe Bank- Banking Act, that a House bill would give cannabis companies access to big banks, let you use your credit card when shopping for marijuana, and you detail some things about the bipartisan plan. So you got a chance to read the Safe Banking Act and some top takeaways, and now there's a higher chance of passing than ever. So... At least we would have this caveat, right, this good carrot to get things going, because not only for small businesses, but to also have finance, being able to have banks to work with these with these companies no longer have to go through maybe Bitcoin or blockchain and actually do actual transactions that do not have to be cash based, that people can go and put accounts and loans and have financing and all the rest that every other business has. So when you look at this, do we see any way forward? Now that we know that the stimulus plans did not include it, can it be passed standalone? And 
give me a little bit of preview of what the takeaways were that you thought were very important. Right. Well, it was fascinating because all Republicans that I spoke with about cannabis decriminalization in a lot of cases said no, but then immediately pivoted to say, but you know what I am for? The Safe Banking Act. So this is something that Republicans want to do. You know, a lot of their states already allow cannabis businesses to operate, and they know that it's a huge challenge for their constituents. Um, It puts uh, cannabis shops in a very difficult, vulnerable situation to have so much cash at their businesses. Um, During tax time, I understand that they have to drop off a lot of cash in these big cash rooms. um, And they also face penalties that make their taxes, you know, higher than a lot of other businesses. And so they definitely have the ear of Republicans on this one. They acknowledge, you know, this is something that is already happening, that is already allowed. Um, We shouldn't penalize these businesses who are operating, um, you know, under these state laws. And so um, it would really help to um, be if if Congress wants to do something bipartisan on cannabis and do it quickly, this is probably the way to do it. Now, the question is, are they willing to go ahead and take this small slice or not? So that still remains to be seen. Not. So that still remains to be seen. Exactly. So uh, I also want to make mention of, I saw that you just celebrated your one-year anniversary at Insider. Congratulations on that. Um, I'm sure they're very blessed to have you on board with their team. Thank you. That's so nice. Very nice of you to notice too. No, I I think you, Jeremy, and the team, they're Insider. The only thing I I can't stand, and it's okay, hey, without a love, I hate that damn paywall. That's the only thing I hate is the paywall. But I, everybody has to make their money. It's totally understood. Well, um, if, I, if I may, we offer a $1 trial um, that is okay. very affordable for a lot of people. And then we also, every once in a while, will have a sale. Um, so you can get Insider for, I think, I, I'm not sure if it's still running now. But if it is, um, I know they had a sale that was only $49 for the whole year. And, um, you know, we only put stories behind the paywall that are, you know, that offer something different that our competitors do not offer. Right, and so that we right. work really hard to do that. Well, I mean, at least you're not like Wall Street Journal, which just puts everything about a paywall. Like, you know, just, I, I get it, guys. No, you do put quite a bit of stories out there that are available to go and look at. And I look at it for a lot of different subjects on, on Insider. It's really great, easy to read. And I like the June they're reporting on this because honestly, um, it's been tough to get across where we are now when it comes to the lobbying efforts, these stories need to be reported more. And honestly, I just wish that the rest of the uh, uh, fellow journalists would also do the same thing. We need more transparency on this more than anything else. And I hope that is something we're going to get more of. And I really appreciate you, Kimberly, joining us on the program. By the way, I also saw that uh, if you would go ahead and follow Kimberly on Twitter, it's at Leonard KL. And Really quickly, uh, is there anything else you could tell us that's going to be on the that's on the forefront that are ongoing subjects that are being looked at in the cannabis industry that you could tell us that um, you'll be keeping your eye on that you hope to report on going forward? Yeah, well, one thing that I think is kind of fascinating that I know is happening here in D.C., and I think a couple of other cities are replicating it, is they're actually getting involved in vaccination efforts. So um, there is going to be in Washington, D.C., what's going to be called the Joints for Jabs um, initiative. And so when people get their vaccines on um, April 20th, they will also receive a joint to go with that. Wow. Um, you know, there's a lot of business 
that are out there. Um, you know, I think Krispy Kreme, for example, said that you could get free donuts um, if you got every your vaccine. Day, I think, right? so, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I one a the day. Whole thing, go get. Guess, yeah, yeah. Sorry, complete. It go might be better to get the joint and then get the the Krispy Kreme. It's a nice little combination there probably. But um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. It really is based, you know, more more to try to get the word out um, on, you know, they do a lot of social justice work. And so um, they're trying to really, um, you know, tie all those things together, make it something fun, but also uh, find a way to get people's attention and also get involved in this vaccination effort, which is so important uh, to getting us back to normal. And we're hoping it. I mean, there's more people, at least here in Florida, I know we're getting what more than 10% of the population has been vaccinated. So a uh, quarter of a million people have already gotten up to the second dose. It's good. They've actually uh, increased down to so that people 50 and up now can actually get the vaccine. And I think, you know, regardless of the stories that are being talked about where, you know, on a side note, they're talking about variances and, you know, possible spikes. I think if everybody gets to be able to be vaccinated somewhere near the summer or fall, that maybe there's gonna be more things that'll bring us back to where we are. I just got news that my Regal Cinema is coming back April 2nd. I can go back to the movies now on Fridays, which is great news for me. I can get back to doing something that'll keep me distracted from the news of every day. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on with us. I really appreciate you taking time out. Obviously, you know, doors open. If there's any other news that comes across, please let us know. We'd love to have you back on. Great, and thank you. And please, um, you know, tell your listeners if they have anything they want me to ask senators. My email is kleonard, K-L-E-O-N-A-R-D, at insider.com. And I'm always happy to go up and uh, ask our lawmakers questions about um, issues that are on your mind. And she's getting a lot of information. So everybody, take that email address. Ask her questions if you're listening to the program. Please let them let Kimberly know that you listened to the episode on Bump Business. Ask questions. Please be inquisitive because we need transparency. We need our lawmakers to stand and deliver. We've been waiting for a long time for this. And obviously there is overwhelming legislation, thought and ideas have been put into Capitol Hill. It's time for execution. They need to actually get this done, put this up to a vote, get the votes and get it done. And let's get this industry rolling full speed ahead in America. Kimberly, thank you for being on with us. And listeners, thank you again for listening to the program like you always do. Don't subscribe because Apple uh, says, you know, subscribe sounds like, oh, you're you're behind a paywall. It's follow the podcast, of course, through Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, all the big players, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and I will talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.